At the end of chapter two in To Trap a Tiger, we left the girls, Lily and Sam, with their mother at the top of the stairs in front of their grandmother, their Halmoni's house. It was pouring, but Halmoni was not home. What do you mean she's not here? I whispered. For a moment, I panicked. The tiger ate her. But I tell myself to remain calm. Mom sighs. I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell if she's worried or annoyed. The rain runs over her eyes and lips, making her emotions blurry. I wish I knew how she felt so I could know how I should feel. Sam fiddles with the brass doorknob, willing it to turn. But that stubborn door stays shut. So, Sam stares at Mom, then at me, with her hair flat and her thick eyeliner running in black stripes down her cheeks. She looks like a wet tiger. We just have to wait here in the rain for an undetermined amount of time. Mom wipes her glasses on her soaked T-shirt, which doesn't help much. No, I don't think so. Hang on. She holds up one finger, finger, then runs around to the side of the house. Where's she going? I ask. I cut my hands over my head, trying to form a protective roof, but it's useless. Where's Halmoni? Sam doesn't answer. We watch as Mom stops beneath the living room window. She taps the side of the pane, runs her hands over the sill, then thumps a fist right below the glass. Well, this is normal, Sam says, voice laced with sarcasm. Then Mom shoves the window open. She glances over at us before hoisting herself up and tumbling headfirst into the house. Whoa! I've never seen Mom do anything like that. I whisper to myself. Sam shakes her head. Whoa is right. I bet she did that all the time as a teenager. Sam looks at me like she can't decide whether to frown or laugh, and I know exactly how she feels, because picturing mom as a teenager is both ridiculous and kind of scary. It's weird to think about mom before we existed. But Sam smiles and my heart relaxes. She probably snuck out to party with her friends. I nod. When Sam is happy, her moon face glows and she looks like my sister again. I inch closer to her, just barely, so she doesn't notice. She wrinkles her nose. Do you think she snuck out to see boys? I don't think she dated anybody but before Dad. I can't picture Mom with anyone but Dad. Or, to tell the truth, I can't picture her with anyone because I don't remember the time of Mum and Dad. I can tell right away that was the wrong thing to say, though, because Sam's glow shuts off fast. She cleanses, clenches her jaw and turns away. That's just naive, she mutters. Thinking about Dad is different for Sam than it is for me. She's old enough to remember him. When he died in a car accident, she was seven. I was only four. Sam, I start, but I don't know how to finish the sentence. I used to be able to talk to her. I used to tell her everything. If this had happened a few years ago, I would have said, I just saw a tiger in the middle of the road. I wouldn't have shouted it right into ear because I couldn't hold it in.
I just saw, I try again, but the locks on the other side of the door interrupt me. They sing as mom slips them, slides them, and opens the door. Hurry inside, she says, as if we would get more soaked than we already are. Sam and I enter, leaving watery footprints in the entryway, lake-sized puddles on the wood floor. Hamoni's house looks like a memory. The living room and kitchen cuddle together around a purple dining table and a fireplace that doesn't work. An old grandfather clock tuts in the far corner of the living room. On the mantel, two stone lions hug a photograph of mom, welcoming wealth into her life. On the other side, a frog guards a photo of Sam and me, protecting our happiness. And everywhere, in buckets hung from the ceiling, sitting on countertops, stuffed into bowls, are bundles of herbs and smudge sticks to cast away bad energy. When I breathe the house in, the scent of buckwheat noodles, sage, and laundry detergent smells like home. Sam's less happy. She folds her arms over her chest and frowns. Um, she says, what's that? I follow her gaze. At the other end of the living room, there's Halmoni's bedroom, the bathroom, and two staircases, one that goes up to the attic bedroom and one that goes down to the basement. But now, in front of the basement door, there's a tower of engraved Korean chests and cardboard boxes, stacked like a barricade. Mom shakes her head. That's bizarre, isn't it? Why would she do that? She chews on her thumbnail and glances around the room. For a second, I catch the worry in her eyes. My earlier excitement drips away. It is odd. They're out of place. And Halmoni's not here. Something cold and dark settles in my stomach. Where's Halmoni, I ask. Mom looks at me and softens. Oh, don't worry. I'm sure she's just out shopping or visiting her friends. You know how she is. She gives me a smile that's sad and hopeful at once. Are you happy to be here, Lily? There's something going on, something she isn't saying. I want to ask her about it, but I don't want to take away her smile, so I just nod. She's about to say something else, but a shiver grabs me by the shoulders and shakes me. Mom blinks at us like she forgot how wet we were. Right, hang on, let me find something for us to change into. Our suitcases are back in the car, and none of us want to brave the rain, so Mom wanders down the hall and into Halmoni's room. When she emerges, her hands are full of towels and Halmoni's silk nightgowns, and Sam and I pluck two off the top. The pale orange nightgown shimmers and shifts like sunset in my hands. Even Halmoni's pajamas are beautiful. I'm going to turn up the heat, Mom says. Wait here. But of course, Sam doesn't wait. As soon as Mom walks back into Halmoni's room, Sam dodges boxes and furniture and heads right upstairs to our bedroom, leaving puddle lakes behind her. I start after her, but hesitate. I don't want to be the little eggie who follows your unya everywhere, but in the end, of course, I follow her anyway. 
Upstairs, the attic room is creaky cozy with peak ceilings, a full-length wood-framed mirror, and two twin beds dressed in faded quilts. When Sam and I lived here, we pushed the beds together and curled into one another, trading stories in the dark. Now the beds are on opposite sides of the room, separated by the wide window. Sam throws off her wet clothes, smears her dark makeup on the clean towel, and tugs the black sequin nightgown on. Then she flops onto her bed. The mattress greets her with a groan, and she reaches behind the bed frame to plug her phone in before turning to me. What are you doing? You are supposed to wait downstairs. Sam always acts like mom's orders only apply to me, which is annoying, but I'm used to it. I sigh and dry off before slipping into my own nightgown. The soft warmth sends a shiver through me, releasing the cold in my bones. I breathe in, hoping for Halmoni's milk scent, but all I get is a hint of soap. Sam frowns, still waiting for me to leave, but I sit on my bed instead. Does this place feel weird to you? I pick at the bedspread as I speak, careful not to look at her. With Halmoni missing and all that stuff blocking the basement and the just the vibe, like something's wrong. First of all, Halmoni's not missing. She's just out. Don't be so dramatic. Second of all, yeah, the vibe is weird, but Halmoni's house always feels like this. Next to her, Sam's phone goes bright and begins loading, like it's stretching as it wakes up from a nap. She grabs it and watches it blink on, only half paying attention to me. Do you remember last time we moved here? Kind of. We lived here for three years after Dad died. I was born in California, but my first memories are shaped like this house. Sam scrolls through her phone, and I don't expect her to respond, but she drops it and looks up. At first, it was nice to be here, because Halmoni took care of us when we were sad, and she helped Mom out. But Halmoni was always doing weird things without explaining any of it. She's full of secrets. This house is full of secrets. I chew my lip. Like what? Sam rolls her eyes. I don't know. That's not the point. The point is we're here instead of California, and I hate it. I hate being here. Sam's words are so harsh that I flinch. Don't say that. The way I remember it, Sam and I loved living here. We were sad because of Dad, of course, but it wasn't all bad. Sam and I told stories in the attic room. We ate rice cakes in the kitchen. We created imaginary worlds in the basement. We were together. I want to ask her, do you remember? But Sam keeps going. It's just not fair, Lily. Mom wanted to move closer to Halmoni, which is nice and all, but we didn't even get a say. We didn't even get to say goodbye. Aren't you just a little bit angry? If I'm being honest, I am. Maybe a little bit angry, but I'm happy to be here too. I clear my throat, take a breath, swallow, I think maybe you should be a little nicer to mom. 
My palms go sweaty. This is dangerous territory. I don't usually confront Sam. We're sisters, and sisters are always supposed to be on the same side. Sam rolls her eyes. Seriously, Lily? I can't believe you're defending her. I just, I can't just, I can't get the look on Mom's face out of my head. Downstairs, looking for Harmony, she seems so fragile. Like, not how moms are supposed to look. I don't know how Sam didn't see that. You just... Sam stares at me, and when I don't answer, she sighs. Spit it out, Lily! You don't have to be so creepy and quiet all the time. You're being a QAG. QAG is Sam for quiet Asian girl, as in a stereotype, as in Sam tries so hard not to be a stereotype that she wears black lipsticks and bleached a lock of her hair and says every little thought that comes to mind. I tell her, I'm only trying to help. I ask, don't you see how hard mom's trying? I say, I don't know why you're so mad at me. But actually, I don't say any of that. The words get stuck in my throat. Sam's just so angry all the time, and everything I say sets her off. She rolls her eyes again. Whatever. You always make me be the bad guy, just because I speak my mind. You don't have to be so afraid to rock the boat, you know. What Sam doesn't realize is that she's already rocking our boat. If I rock it too, the boat will flip. We'll drown. I listen to the rain, beat against the roof, and I run my hand over the quilt. I say, you should be happy. You like harmony. At least I think that's true. Sam doesn't seem to like anything anymore, except her phone. Maybe. She shrugs. I'm just saying, the point is having to live here without any friends, with just your mom and grandmother, that's a lot. And your sister, I say, so quiet I can barely hear myself, so quiet like a QAG, I'm here too. Sam has a sharp response ready, I can tell, but my words stop her. Her shoulders relax. Yeah, she says. It's just one very small word, but she says it's soft, and it opens up my heart and warmth spills out, spreading through my body into my toes and fingertips. Yeah, I replied, almost feel like I could tell her about the tiger dream mirage spirit thing. Then downstairs, the door slams open. <laughs> Halmoni's home. Chapter 4 Halmoni throws the front door open with a bang and squeals. Hello, my girls, my girls, home to see me? Her voice travels all the way up to our bedroom, and I run down to see her, my feet pounding against the noisy old stairs. Halmoni is thinner than the last time I saw her. Her colorful silk tunic and white pants hang looser than usual. Her jewel pendant rests in the U-shaped dip between her collarbones, deeper than before. But she's still as glamorous as always, with her lips bright red, her hair permed and dyed black as black. 
In her arms, she carries four big grocery bags filled to the brim with food. Mom's already at the door, dressed in Halmoni's pajamas and greeting her with questions. Why weren't you here? Why didn't you answer your phone? Remember when I told you we'd be here at six? We had to stand outside. And why do you get so much food? That's too much food. Halmoni just laughs. Oh, my daughter's so nosy. She says before placing her grocery bags and her knockoff Louis Vuitton purse in mom's hands as if mom were a butler. Mom frowns, but before she can protest, Hamoni sees me and opens her arms for a big hug. Lily Bean, she says. Her whole face lights up, and I don't even know someone could be so happy about anything. I run down the hallway and slide into her arms, soaking up her love. Careful! Mom sets Halmoni's bags on the kitchen table and crosses her arms. Don't knock your Halmoni over! Halmoni wraps herself tight around me and scolds Mom over my head. Hush, young lady! At least Lily is loving me! Mom sighs. I do love you. That's why we're here! Hamoni ignores this. She places her hands on my shoulders and leans back so she can look at me, grinning when she notices her nightgown. Oh, look at you. You were a little mini me, so pretty, so shiny. I laugh. Shiny? Sam's the one who took the sequin nightgown, not me. Like the sun, Halmoni says, winking. Halmoni is the only person in the world that my invisibility never works on. She always sees straight to my heart. Halmoni, I say, pulse hiccuping as I think of the tiger. I have to tell you something. But Sam appears, padding quietly down the creaky stairs and hovering in the kitchen doorway. And my moon... Halmoni says, walking over to hug Sam. Sam stiffens as Halmoni wraps her up, but she relaxes after a moment, leaning into Halmoni, breathing in. Nobody can resist, re resist Halmoni. She's like gravity. Halmoni pulls back and strokes Sam's white streak. So pretty, your, your hair. No, Mom says, please don't encourage her. It's unnatural. Sam glares at Mom, and Halmoni twirls the streak in her fingers. It run in our family. I have this one I little, too, she says, winking at Sam and me. Mom's voice is tight. A bleached streak is not a genetic trait. Halmoni doesn't even look at her. And so fashion! Sam looked like rock star! Sam grins. Mom takes a very deep breath. Mom hates the white streak, but Sam refuses to do anything about it. She claims it's not her fault that her hair just naturally grows that color. It's a whole thing. Hamoni turns back to Mom and frowns. Why the girl's hair so wet? Mom clears her throat as she puts away Halmoni's groceries. Like I was saying, they are wet because we had to stand outside in the rain. It would have been nice for you to, you know, be here when you said you would. I had to use the old window pane trick and climb inside in front of my daughters. Always through the window! 
Hamuni looks at Sam and me and clicks her tongue. She go out, she go in. Even the attic window she climb out. Your mother was a very sneaky child. So much trouble. Mom sputters and Sam and I exchange a glance. I don't know how Mom could climb out the attic window. It's impossibly high, but Hamuni always exaggerates like this and it's funny to picture. Sam bites back a smile and I swallow a laugh. And for that matter, you shouldn't be driving anymore, especially not in the rain, Mom continues. If you needed to get groceries, you should have waited for me to come. You need to be careful. You need to... Psst! Hamoni hisses, holding up one finger. Sam and I used to watch a TV show about a drug dog trainer who used an angry hissing noise to tame dogs. This is the same noise. Mom clenches her jaw, then tries another line of questioning. And what about all this stuff? Why are you living like this? She gestures to the stack of boxes and furniture in front of the basement door. Hamoni shrugs one shoulder. The basement floods, so the stuff come up. Sam raises an eyebrow. You carried all this up by yourself? Hamoni turns to her and winks, which is typical. She doesn't feel the need to answer questions, and I don't mind that. Mom, on the other hand, does. No, seriously. Did you carry this up the stairs on your own? You know you could hurt yourself. You... She pauses. Where am I supposed to sleep? When I lived here, Mom slept in the basement, wedged in between all Hamoni's things. You sleep in living room on the couch. Hamoni responds like this is no big deal. I expect mom to argue, but she walks over to the boxes. Okay, well, at least let me move this stuff. We can push it away from the basement door, and I can check out the flood damage downstairs. Sam, some help? Sam stares at her. Mom sighs. Lily? I start to walk over, but Hamoni grabs my wrist and pulls me back. No, no, no moving those. Mom blinks. They're in the way. Hamoni waves her arms in front of her like she's warding off mom's annoyance. No, no. Today is not auspicious day. When I move boxes out, this is a lucky day. But today is dangerous for dangerous day for spirits. We move another day. A dangerous day for spirits. I swallow. I have to get Halmoni alone so I can ask her about possible tiger spirits. Moving things on unlucky days, very dangerous. And breaking things, Halmoni closes her eyes and shudders like she can't even imagine. If you break something, oh my, that is very bad. Mom looks like she might literally rip her hair out. Sam raises her eyebrows at me like, here we go again, and backs up in the hallway. This isn't the new argument. Mom always gets annoyed with Halmoni's traditions. Mom grits her teeth. That is ridiculous. What? But Halmoni points her finger at Mom, cutting her off. You are not the mother. I am the mother. You no more asking questions. You go change your clothes. Why you in pajamas anyway? Mom opens her mouth in defense, but Halmoni claps her hands. I set up dinner now. Lily, help me. 
I didn't exactly volunteer, but Halmoni has a way of creating her own reality. Besides, I don't mind helping. I follow her to the kitchen counter, and Mom gives up on the boxes. She grabs Halmoni's raincoat and stalks out of the house down to the car to fetch our suitcases. From the doorway, Sam clears her throat, and I glance back at her. She hesitates, like she's waiting for something, and I mouth, It's okay. Go upstairs. I feel bad sending her away, but Sam doesn't like cooking or setting the table or doing any chores, really, and I need to be alone with Halmoni. Sam frowns and turns away, mumbling something about her friends as she heads back to the attic room. When she's gone, I whisper, Halmoni, something happened. She tucks a strand of hair behind her ear and kisses my forehead. Yes, little one, I want to hear about that, but first, time for Kosa. Yes, but, uh uh-uh, this first. Moving through the kitchen, she pulls bowls and baskets out of cupboards and sets them in front of me. I don't remember the first time she showed me how to do a Kosa. It's just something we've always done together. We lay food out for the spirits and the ancestors and let them feast before we do. For the ones who gone before us, Hamoni always says. When I was little, I used to pretend that Dad would come for Kosa to eat with us. I made the mistake of telling Sam once that the food was for him. Her face twisted up and she spat, He's dead! This isn't a game! She never liked Hosa after that. After Halmoni heats a plate of red bean rice cakes, she hands them to me and I arrange them in a bamboo basket. The way she taught me, carefully, lovingly, they warm my fingers. This very important to do on days of big change, Halmoni tells me as she pours wine into small ceramic bowls. When people come, when people go out, We do this to keep spirits happy. She leans closer, her breath tickling my ear. When spirits are hungry, almost as scary as when you mother is hungry. I smell. What about when Sam is hungry? Hamuna's crinky eyes grow wild. That is most scary. I laugh at Sam's expense, feeling a little guilty. Then I lay dried squid and anchovies on a small plate while Halmoni prepares the meal and I listen to the melodies of Hosa. Halmoni hums a song I don't know, probably a Korean lullaby, and the house seems to sing along with her. The cabinets whisper as she opens and closes them, and the water whistles as she washes vegetables. The thing about Hosa, about all of Hamoni's beliefs and rituals, is that I've always taken them for granted. They make sense to Hamoni, so, so that's good enough for me. Her magic never needed an explanation, but now, with the tiger, understanding it all feels important. I saw something in the road, I tell her. What you see? She asks as she chops a cucumber. I swallow. Um, I think I might have seen one of the hungry spirits. 
She sets down the knife and turns to me. Her eyes are intense. What you saying, Lily? What you see? Suddenly I'm nervous. I don't know. I guess it might have been a dream. Hamoni leans closer. Dream's very important, Lily. What do you see? Mom would tell me not to encourage Halmoni. Sam would tell me I'm being weird. But with Halmoni, I'm safe from judgment. A tiger. She hisses through her teeth. What that tiger doing? I know she's not upset with me, but she's still upset. And I can't help feeling like I've said the wrong thing. Um, it, it, it just stood there. Then disappeared. A full force knockout wave of panic hits me and I whisper, Am I going crazy? Hamoni wraps her fingers around her pendant and leans down so her face is close to mine so I can smell her milk breath. Lily, crazy not a good word, not a thinking word. You see truth because you are a special one and not, not make you crazy, okay? I nod. Unsure what to think. The tiger felt real, but it couldn't be. And what do you do with things that feel real, but aren't quite? Your mom doesn't believe in any of this. Her world is small. But you know, the world is bigger than what we see. Hamoni presses the palm against my cheek. Now be safe and stay away from tigers. Tigers very bad. I know, I'll stay away. Tigers eat people and stuff. It was just that. She shakes her head. No trusting them, okay? They tricky, but you don't listen to their lies. You remember that. Yeah, I remember your stories. Yes, yes, stories. But maybe she steps back and tilts her head, like she's trying to make a decision. Something about her tone sounds off. Not like the Halmoni I know. Maybe there are more stories than I tell you. I push away the plates and cutting board in front of me and hoist myself onto the kitchen counter so I'm sitting in front of her, ready to listen. I can't remember the last time she told us a new story. Like what? The tiger's looking for me, she says, running her hand down my arm, lost in thought. I steal something that belonged to them long, long ago when I little like you. And now... They want it back. Wait, what? This story is about you? This one real. Tiger's real. I lean back. She never told us. She's never told a story about herself before, and stealing from tigers doesn't make sense. Yesterday, I might not, not have believed her words. I might have thought she was making this up, because of course it can't be real. Just like a disappearing tiger can't be real. And yet, I tug on one of my braids. What did you steal? If this story is real, maybe the tiger is too. And maybe this is why it appeared. But what could be so important that tigers would chase it across the world? And what would it feel like to steal from tigers to do something so powerful and so dangerous? She frowns. Not important, little one. Not safe to ask too many questions, but the door bangs open again and Mom huffs and puffs back inside, thunking two suitcases on the floor. No but, but, but. 
How many tisks at me? We don't talk about that. Mom pushes her glasses up on her nose and catches her breath. Talk about what? Hamoni gives me shh eyes, and I don't say anything. Mom blinks. Do either of you want to tell me? Hamoni says, voice too sweet and innocent. No, I pass. Mom tilts her head. You pass? On what? Telling me? Hamoni smiles and nods. Pass! Mom looks back and forth between us and I shrug like I know nothing. Mom seems like she wants to ask more, but she just sighs. Okay, well, I'll go get more of our stuff. Lily, no sitting on the kitchen counter, she says before heading back down the stairs. I slide off the counter, but as soon as Mom's gone, I turn back to Homoni. What did you take? And why? And what happened? Hamoni hands me a stack of plates. Enough of that. You set table now. Hoso, help keep you safe. Make Tiger stay away. She turns away from me to finish chopping vegetables. Normally, when we set up Hosa, she'll sneak me a little bite to eat early, winking and whispering, eat fast so the spirits don't see. But tonight the mood is different. She doesn't offer and I don't ask. I do what I'm told and set the table, thinking of tigers and thieves in Halmoni's stories. Because Halmoni's always told us stories of impossible things. And now I wonder, what if they're possible?